Shattered, Chapter 3, Meeting Little Nikki. On a typical Sunday morning, my family and I headed to church for a service, which is our norm and custom. It was exceptionally hot that day because summers are brutal in the Southwest. The dry heat and the blistering sun made a five-minute walk from the car feel like an hour-long hike. We were late and I was moving very quickly. I passed the sanctuary, clattering my heels along the pavement and headed to the church lobby. I looked through the windows of another room as I passed through the hallway to see who was teaching Sunday school. It was then that I entered the church through the double doors, hoping not to direct any attention to myself. I tiptoed my way to the back row and sat down acting as if I had always been sitting there. And then I saw her. Immediately to my left, I saw this beautiful, skinny little girl with a shiny forehead. Someone had taken the liberty to douse this little one in a whole container of baby oil that made her shine. I almost had a chuckle in my heart. We, as African Americans, love to look shiny. But it was obvious someone took that to the extreme. She was wearing pigtails and had a lighter skin tone. Her eyes moved from one side of the room to another. She had long eyelashes and was dressed in the perfect outfit. She sparkled from head to toe. And as I like to call it, She was church ready. As I listened to the service, I thought about her and how she was going to be a beautiful woman one day. I tried to see if I knew her parents or recognized anyone in the congregation who was kin to her. My initial glances did not bring any resemblances. But as I looked around, I noticed she came to church with the Johnson family. The Johnson family often fostered many children. It was later that I found out that she, the little girl, was one of the foster children that had come along for the service. She was so beautiful, angelic, and so I kept looking at her and smiling. She noticed me and smiled back every time. I would then wink at her and she would wink back. My husband, Harry, noticed the interaction between the two of us. There you go, winking again. I smiled and chuckled at his response. At the end of the service, we briefly met her and came to know her as little Nikki. Several days later, Denise, the first lady of my church, called me about little Nikki needing a permanent home. Denise has known my family and I for many years and is a trusted voice for my family's spiritual and emotional growth. Denise shared with us in-depth details about the Johnsons, who were an older couple in their 60s that only provided foster care to children. They provided foster care out of love for kids, knowing that eventually all the children would leave for homes to be placed in permanent situations, 
adoption. Denise described how little Nikki was difficult to adopt because she was older. She was eight, and she was an African-American child. Typically, parents prefer to adopt younger children because they can grow up in their own homes and get used to their way of life. Older children are harder to train if they've never been in a stable home. Her racial identity added another layer to the cake. If there was a noted checklist, little Nikki was not a prime candidate for selection by a two-parent household looking to adopt. Because of this, she's constantly getting moved from one foster family to another. Denise stated she needed a permanent home and that we, my husband and I, should consider bringing little Nikki into our family. The church was aware that I had recently adopted and was experienced with the adoption process. My professional background in child care makes me an ideal candidate for little Nikki. And even though I had not even thought about adopting another child, since we already had so many kids living in our home, I must admit, I entertained the idea. Our home was not a conventional one and was always full of extra kids. We didn't mind. At this time, our nephew had just moved out. I would not describe that as extra space, but it did make us think about accepting little Nikki as our child. Our adopted child, James, was nine years old, and he needed someone his age since our other children were older. Since little Nikki was a year younger, James and she would practically grow up together. I knew that my husband adored our daughters, Cherie and April. They grew up as daddy's girls with him wrapped around their fingers. And my husband loves being a girl dad. Considering little Nikki's situation and being compatible in ideal housing situations, adopting her did not seem like a bad idea. Denise convinced me to further discuss this option with my husband with consideration of the connection Nikki had made with us at church. Denise then informed the Johnsons about my impeding decision, and I received a phone call later to discuss little Nikki in great detail. They described her as a good child, strong-willed, stubborn, and sometimes not very tidy, noting that she had improved many behaviors since she had been in their home. At the end of the conversation, we planned an official meeting. With any adoption process, it is always wise to gain as much information as possible about the child you will invite into your home. This would also include getting information about the birth family. Little Nikki's situation was extremely unique in that there was little information shared with us from the beginning. My husband and I were simply given a binder filled with minimal records. This would be the beginning of years of investigation of who our daughter was and where she really came from. This concludes the chapter, Meeting Little Nikki. 
I want to sincerely thank you for taking the time to listen. This is a movement for mercy. And I value your time, your thoughts, and your input. And thank you for remembering that mercy is not just a piece of paper in a file cabinet. Thank you.